You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. WTF1 presents... Hot Takes Wednesday. Hello and welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harris, and glad you could join us for another post Zanvil edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. Hopefully, it'll only be slightly less chaotic than the actual race itself. As I said, I'm Dre Harrison. Welcome back. And joining me in the guest chair from the land of WTF1 talent and the F1 quick fire quiz on tiktok he's blowing up over on that side we're glad to have him as part of the family welcome to hot takes wednesday mr ollie swift hello sir how are you i'm very well thank you dre thanks so much for uh having me and i'm excited to uh check out some of these hot takes after what you said it was a very crazy weekend one of the maddest ones for a while so i'm looking forward to this one we've been due this it's like I, I, it was actually my co-host Hannah that pointed out the other day. We've not had a dry F1 weekend that's been fully dry since Baku, which is actually wild now you think about it. Climate change is a mother trucker, let me tell you. Um, so like Zandvoort, you know, two big old heavy deluges of rain. The racing gods were determined to have some chaos and instead in and instead Max Verstappen still found the way to win. So <laughs> there there is no stopping that man. And as a Sebastian Vettel fan, as a member of the nine consecutive wins club, I'm not sure I'm so keen about sharing that distinction. But uh here we are. Um but yeah, you could like Oddie, tell the good people where they can find you before we really get into the nitty-gritty, because you know, I do believe in giving people a good old plug while they're on here. <laughs> yeah, well, you can find me at Ollie Swift F1 on uh, TikTok, on Twitter under that name as well also on youtube uh ollie swift f1 there where yeah the quickfire quiz is essentially quick chance to give yourself uh 10 questions from me on formula one very quick fire you got 60 seconds to answer them and yeah people then comment their score duet it and things like that on tiktok so yeah it's a good environment and then i sometimes do a few other bits and pieces and commentary on the sport as well but but the quiz is where most of the fun is at to be honest <laughs> Yeah, I really, I really these days I will absolutely get on TikTok and start playing this because I like to think I'm a bit of a nerd. But uh, I've seen some of your quizzes and even I would would, would struggle, especially <laughs> in sixty seconds to answer some of them, putting putting me on the spot like that. But do give him a little WTF one bump from us. Um, Ollie does very very good work over there on TikTok. Well worth a, a your follow and subscription and all of that good stuff. So please give Ollie a follow where you can now because every podcast is somebody's first. A quick explanation of the show. You, the fine WTF1 audience, sending your takes, usually via Twitter. We do get some on my personal Instagram as well. You can follow me on that at DreWTF1, or you can email us at contact at WTF1.com if you want to send in your hot takes that way. I do promise you all of them get sent forwarded to me. It's a arduous but well worth process. Um, I know a lot of people said, Dre, can you get mine on? Can you get mine on? 
Please forgive me if I can't. We've only got room for five per episode. We get 20 or 30 a week. Um, so thinning the pot down is quite difficult. I promise you I will try. Um, I do really appreciate how keen you guys are. So if you want to send in your takes, any of those ways are absolutely fine. And once, once we go through these takes, me and the special guest, in this case, Ollie, we will go through these takes. We'll go a little bit with a little bit of back and forth on them. And eventually we will score them on a scale of one to five. One being that we strongly disagree agree with the take five being that we strongly agree so without further ado ollie are you ready for hot takes wednesday my friend yeah let's get into it mate let's do it so first take comes in from am scuderia i think they're a mclaren fan uh am scuderia says fernando alonso is the only driver in the actual grid that can beat max in equal machinery Ah, the old, could anybody beat Max in the same car game? I like, I do like these. Fernando Alonso is the only driver in the actual grid that can beat Max in equal machinery. Ollie, what do you make of that one first, first up? Yeah, it's a, like you said, it's a debate, isn't it, which rages on whenever there's a dominancy era and whenever there's a, a driver who's really dominating, we get this sort of question. And I think it's a really interesting one. I think the question that I always have whenever there's an equal machinery debate is, always, you know, whose machinery are we talking about? Because I think there's a difference between pulling Max out of a Red Bull and putting him in a different car or trying to slot someone else into that Red Bull seat. So in this instance, let's say we say, can Alonso beat Max in the Red Bull? I'm not sure too many people could beat Max in the current Red Bull. I think Mm. it was Albon, wasn't it, who talked about quite recently, actually, when he left the team about how understandably the setup is favored towards max i think he said it's like turning up your control to full sensitivity on call of duty or something like that i remember him quoting on so plays tribune spot on exactly so it's very obviously directed towards max i do think fernando out of anyone is probably one of your best bets and your best options because we've seen how he can adapt to different cars we've seen how well he can sort of slot into teams and, and do a great job said challenges in his career as well, you know, with with new teams and new teammates. But I think when we look at the season he is having right now and his driving style and the way that he is pushing that Aston Martin team forward, I think I would agree with that to an extent. I think if you're going to put someone in a Red Bull, I would want to go with Fernando. Obviously, you'd want to maybe throw Lewis in there as well to have a look at how he could adapt to things. But I think, yeah, someone else in the Red Bull, it's going to be really hard to beat Max. Could Fernando beat him in a F2 car? That might be a more fun and exciting race, actually. Sure. But Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I'm somewhere towards the the strongly agree with that one, but I think it's going to be difficult for anyone to, to be honest, at this stage. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking, I mean, you, you've got to define the parameters a little bit here. If we're talking the current Red Bull environment that Verstappen is in, let's be honest, he's had it catered his way for quite some time. And he's had some absolutely quality teammates in that time. The only person that I really think gave Verstappen any sort of headache was Daniel Ricciardo. <coughs> Pardon me. And Ricardo. Ricardo's won eight or nine Grand Prix. That's a very, very good rate. Like, like I don't think a lot of people realize that winning almost double-digit Grand Prix, you're pre- already in the top one percent of like all F1 drivers ever. Um, Ricardo was the only guy that's really kept Verstappen even partially honest. I mean, and like Alex Albon has been excellent this year. He got blown out in that setup. Sergio Perez 
has not been great by comparison to Max in the same car. Sergio Perez was a race winner before he even joined Red Bull um, and was one of the best midfielders out there, was a consistent, you know, top-tier midfielder. Um, you know, Pierre Gasly, again, race winner, a guy that's gone to Alpine, done a pretty good job, was on the podium just part this past weekend in Zandvoort. The guy can drive. There's more than enough body of work on that. These are quality drivers that Max has curb stomped over the last half decade. I agree with you, Ollie. I think the only two guys I would realistically even entertain the, the notion of being on the same level would be Alonso and Hamilton. I think those have been the three quality drivers of this season so far. Hamilton and Alonso are the only two guys that have finished every other single racing lap this year. Hamilton's been super consistent, been in the top eight every race this year. Alonso has been outstanding. It's been good actually seeing him in an Aston Martin where you've given him a really good car for the first time in a long time. And he's proven he's still as good as he's as he's been in previous years, even at 42, which is incredibly impressive. Um I, I agree with you. I would. I'd like to see him in anything other than a Red Bull, um, because let's be. This is this has been the Red Bull master plan for a long, long time. Get Verstappen into a Red Bull seat, build the whole factory around him. Turns out it's been a pretty good plan because it's worked yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Um, you're now looking at a juggernaut right here, um, and and I, I'm not sure anybody could touch him in his own backyard. I mean, if. Red Bull, and that's the thing, Red Bull doesn't even need to hire a guy on Alonso or Hamilton's level to be in the second car because their car is so good and Verstappen is so good that they can score them enough points pretty much by himself. Yeah. In, uh, it's, it's, uh, so they don't even need a quality second driver. It's not a pressing concern that they need to get rid of Checo straight away. Um, I, I think Alonso's a top three driver on the grid right now, and I think... I wouldn't say he's the only driver who could do it, which is why I'm I'm not going to say five on this. Um, I think Hamilton is the other guy I would probably put in that same conversation. Maybe Charles Leclerc on a good day. Um, I would maybe entertain him as well. But overall, I think that would be the dream matchup. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe Alonso of 10 years ago. Maybe he was a little <laughs> bit fresher when he was in his prime. Maybe back in the Ferrari days might yeah. be a bit more fun. But even even now, Alonso has been incredible. So I, I can understand the sentiment and the thinking, certainly. So I'm going to say... I'm going to say four on this one. I Again, I think the only reason I wouldn't say five is because I would also consider Hamilton on that level as well still. Um, but the overall point I largely agree with. What do you reckon, Oli? Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. I would say a four, I think, like we've just talked about, those two drivers are the other ones I would put in there. And then also the premises beat him. And I'm not sure even Oof. if he got in there, would it? Would they? Would he beat Max? So I think I'd love to see it. I agree with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a four on that one. Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a very solid perspective. Right. Number two comes from Will Will and a bunch of numbers. So I'm going to so Will Williams <laughs> is, is his actual name. I'm going to go with that. So hi, Will. Uh, he says, either Oscar Piastri or Liam Lawson will be the next new world champion. Love HTW. Thanks, Will. That's very kind of you. Um, either Oscar Piastri or Liam Lawson will be the next new world champion. Now, this is interesting. My first thought that immediately jumped into my head here was over Lando Norris. 
over George Russell, over Charles Leclerc. Um, like there are three or four really, really good drivers that I would consider taking over Piastri. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about Liam Lawson because he's in the tweet, Ollie. I mean, he made his a surprise debut this past weekend as Anvil after Daniel Ricciardo um, broke a metacarpal in his hand, wishing him a speedy one um, on that. But Lawson came in, didn't wreck the car, finished 13th. Pretty good debut, I would say, right? Really good debut. And I think I couldn't really think of a more challenging set of circumstances to come oh, in. God, awful circumstances. So light in the day, so mm. much rain, so much changing conditions. At Zandvoort with that banking, some of those receded corners, you know, what a track and situation to have to come into. So, yeah, firstly, as you said, you know, big props to Liam Lawson. Get well soon, Daniel. Um, and the other thing for me, Dre, actually, that popped into my head when I read this question was you you wouldn't even have considered this as something to think about at the start of the season. But mm. well, the way that this has panned out with this sudden you know, McLaren resurgent, they seem to be finding some really great top-end speed, which is great. Liam Lawson would not have expected, I think, to even make too many, you know, attendances at Grand Prix this mm. weekend, uh, this season, let alone actually racing one. So that was the other thing that popped into my head was, you know, how strange it is that this is the conversation. But I agree with you. There's a number of drivers that I put above these guys. And I think the other thing as well, particularly in Liam Lawson's instances, it's going to be pretty hard for him to get into that Red Bull seat, I think, in the future, no matter what. He obviously had a great campaign in Formula 2. He's doing well in uh, Super Formula right now, which mm -hmm. is great. But that Red Bull setup is cutthroat one. It's a unique one. It's a very challenging one to engage in. And we've seen with you know Sergio and a few of the other moves they've made is you know they are starting to be quite happy to look elsewhere outside of that family, I think, more so than normal. And maybe actually to the point you just made when we were discussing Max was it's not really a need for them to push to have a really strong number two driver right now. So mm. I think the future of that second seat at Red Bull is interesting until Max decides he's bored of winning. So um, <laughs> I'd say probably less less committed to that premise on Liam Lawson. I think that would be a huge, huge surprise if he was the next new champion. Um Oscar, I could maybe buy a little bit more just in terms of obviously he's in that seat. He's establishing himself really well. He's pushing Lando now. To your point, you know, probably I would still take Lando over Oscar if I was to choose which McLaren driver would be more likely to win a championship if they became, you know, a front running team. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be there's just so many stuff around that. I mean, like you said there, if Mercedes get better, we've got George. Both Ferrari drivers haven't won one. Who knows what's going to happen with uh, Aston Martin? Obviously, Nando's got one, but does Stroll have legs in him to to stay in that mm. team even? So um, for me, a little bit less likely, I think, than the previous premise we discussed. But there's a lot to unpack in that question. Yeah, I, 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 I mostly agree with pretty much everything you said, Ollie. Liam Lawson is a very talented driver, make no mistake. It's just that Red Bull's environment is very is very much a logjam. Now, I mentioned this a couple of episodes ago. Red Bull has the luxury here, knowing they've got both titles wrapped up, where they can afford to experiment. 
which and look this is actually probably accidentally worked out all right for them because they can actually get a decent idea of how liam lawson is in actual race condition something they were not likely to have done with daniel ricardo back with you bring ricardo back you've kind of committed to making a decision that you know oh you're trying to evaluate whether ricardo is good enough to get back in that red bull seat over checo that's like you wouldn't be telling liam lawson to sit on the sidelines even longer if you had that way of, of thinking, if you had any other sort of plan in mind, um, it's worked out this way because Ricardo injured himself and, you know, he'll be out. He was out for Zanfor. He's probably going to be out for Monza as well, by the looks of it, at least. Um, so now they can evaluate Lawson a little bit as well. And they've still got Yuki Sonoda there, which will come up a little bit later on in the show as well. It's such a log jam for Liam Lawson to even get on the grid for next year, let alone climb through the ranks, get to Red Bull, and then assumingly beat Verstappen, which is just, again, like we just discussed, too many quality drivers have tried that and failed. And and, and guys with better reputations than Liam Lawson has um, in his F1 career. And look, I'm a big fan of Oscar Piastri. I think he's done a very solid job of keeping Lando honest. I think he's done exactly what McLaren needed compared to their Ricardo stint of, of, of the last couple of years. Ricardo was a long way back from Norris. Piastri is a lot closer. And for now, that's exactly what McLaren needs. They need a consistent second scorer. They're getting that with Piastri. But if he wants to be the next new world champion, he's got to beat Norris at some point. And he's not been doing that on a cons- on a consistent basis yet. So I like Piastri. I think a, a lot of them need to pump the brakes on him just a little bit. And then, like, like I said, we haven't, we've barely even mentioned the other major contenders here. Like you said, neither Ferrari has won a world title. They're, like Ferrari had a competitive package as recently as the, as the start of last year. So there's still a decent chance Ferrari can recover and potentially have Leclerc as a main challenger, maybe even Carlos Sainz. George Russell, I think, is a very good driver when he wants to be. I think he's been a bit sloppier this year. But last year, I thought he was outstanding. Um, did a very good job of keeping Hamilton honest. Um, he's another guy that could potentially get in there. Hell, if Verstappen moves on early, Sergio Perez is a, is a title favorite. Yeah. So, but just because of how strong the Red Bull car is. So, you know, there is a lot of, for me, more likely ways that we get somebody else before we get to Piastri and Lawson. Um, I think Lawson's got a chance given the path he's on, but he's going to have to be outstanding. And I don't think he's on that kind of level, um, at least not yet anyway, um, to go down the Red Bull path. And like I said, I think Piastri is good. He's not Norris good. Um, so I'm going to say two on this one. Um, I think Piastri's a great talent. I think he's someone to be genuinely excited about. I get the hype. I, I do. It's just there's too many guys I think that's ahead of him on the queue on paper for me to give him any, to give this take any more than a two. That's how I look at it. What what, what do you reckon, Ollie? Yeah, I'd love it to be something that is in consideration because one of those guys coming in and jumping the queue of those drivers we've just talked about will mean something pretty cool has happened, but uh, I'm going to go one lower. I think, I think I'm going to have to go for a one with this one. I just think for all the points you've just summarized, Mm. Dre, I just don't see that one, either of those guys being the next new world champion. Indeed. We'll be back with some more of Hot Takes Wednesday right after a word from our sponsor for this episode, DraftKings. 
College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code WTF1. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code WTF1. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call in 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort KS, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issue. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Back to the show. Speaking of uh, Alpha Tauri, take number three comes from, um, from uh, Max. I'll get the full username here. Formula Max 22 on Twitter. I can tell he's a big Sonoda fan because I know he follows me personally. Hi, Max. Good to see you. Um, his take reads, Yuki Sonoda has been the unluckiest driver when it comes to penalties. I wonder what this is based off of. Um, <laughs> Yuki Sonoda has been the unluckiest driver when it comes to penalties. I'm going to assume this is playing off the back of what happened at Zanvor where he got a five-second time penalty right at the end of the race for a collision with, I think it was George Russell um that led to the penalty <sighs> we can't go in f1 season on it without talking about stewarding in some capacity it's it's a it's a it's a hot button topic that will never go away uh has yuki been the unlucky one out there what do you reckon i think it's interesting with yuki because i think quite often he seems to really ride the edge between sort of you know what what can and can't happen on track and what can and can't happen in qualifying sessions as well he also obviously you know was impeding impeding lewis at some point i think lewis said he felt like he didn't have enough time anyway during that session at at zanvort but um he always just seems to find himself straddling that line between what is acceptable and what isn't where i think he could be potentially a little bit more unlucky is i do feel like and maybe this is sort of tinfoil hat going on here Yuki's always seeming to fight for positions that are, you know, towards the back end of the points where he's very close to other drivers a lot more frequently than perhaps drivers higher up the grid. What I mean by that is, you know, you could probably give Max Verstappen a 10 second stop go penalty every race and assuming it's dry, nothing's going to change what happens to Max and the people around him. Whereas Yuki's always pushing around, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, where there's a lot of fighting for those points. 
And they seem to apply maybe the letter of the law a little bit more in those situations, I tend to think, where there's maybe more outcome, where there's more impact on the outcome of the race, if that isn't too confusing and long-winded. <laughs> so what I think maybe happens with Yuki potentially more so than some of the other drivers is he's pushing so hard for it. The margins are so fine, but the impact of what happens in those situations is potentially a lot higher for the end result of the actual race. And uh, when you look for, um, was it the Spanish Grand Prix where him and Joe had that incident as well? And a lot of people said, well, Joe backed out of it, but other people were saying he had to back out of it because he wasn't given the space. Yuki, I always think Yuki's in that bracket where he's really always riding the line. And so he maybe might feel a bit unlucky and feel like he has it applied to him a little bit more regularly. Um, whether you can say that's unlucky, I don't know because he puts himself in those situations. So, um, yeah, I understand the premise of the question. He does seem to rack up a lot of uh, penalties and, and points now as well, actually, as well. So it's it's a tricky one, but um, yeah, I can I can understand why you would think he's a little bit more unlucky when it comes to the penalties. I also think it's because I know Max is a huge Sonoda fan. I think that's part of the reason why he sent this in. Um, and you got you got lucky because he's on he's on the show. He's on the show, so that works. He does flirt with that line of what is a, a penalty and what isn't. And don't get me wrong, that question is always going to be a dodgy one because stewarding is inconsistent. It always has been. You rotate the stewards in and out, race to race, round to round. Um, you know, so you're always going to have slightly different perspectives going into every race. So sometimes that by proxy breeds inconsistency. So you know, you, you, you kind of just have to take every incident on a case-by-case basis. I love the fact that Yuki went full NBA and accused Joe of flopping when uh, when that Catalonia incident happened. It was like straight out of the NBA. Uh, oh, he's gone down on purpose. He dived, look, um, which I thought was quite funny. Um, I personally thought you could have gone either way on that. I didn't have a huge problem with with the penalty in, in Catalonia. I think... It, I think Another day, he probably gets away with a warning. Um, and but I also could see the argument for five seconds. Um, I think he was. I think he was unlucky on the Russell call. I don't think that was a penalty. Me personally, I think that was incidental contact. I don't think it had a major impact on on the race. I think that's the sort of one you leave alone. Personally, the impeding in qualifying was, I think, a slam dunk. Personally, that one, I don't think you can really argue with unlucky I don't think is the right word to describe it is, is is how I would evaluate this take I don't think it's a matter of bad luck I think it's a matter of constantly being on the line of what's acceptable and for the best drivers it's a skill it is a skill to know where you can push the boundaries and where you can't um and Sonoda, I think, is starting to learn that process um, because, like you say, he's in the midfield. He's scrapping for, on a good day, he's scrapping for points. He was he was doing that in Zandvoort for the majority of the race, holding off Lando Norris. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a situation where I don't think he's unlucky. I think it's, to a degree, intentional, um, mm. where he flirts with danger. And if you do that, you are going to get caught every once in a while. And you are going to get clapped with a penalty. If someone, like you say, applies the book to the letter, if someone's a more harsher grade of what's a penalty and what isn't, 
you could get caught out for that. And I think the stewards were a bit harsher than they normally are at Zanvor on this one. I'm, again, that's just gut feeling and vibes because that's how the stewards tend to do it. So why can't we? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't think unlucky is the right word. Um, I think, I think, let's I, I speak to you this way, Max, on your take. He could have gotten away with Catalonia and the George Russell one, and I would have, I wouldn't have argued with you. So maybe it is unlucky to a degree because it is on the line, and it depends. It, it, for me, I think a lot of it will boil down to how you look at these incidents on a case by case basis, and whether you think they're a penalty or not. I can see an argument either way on both of them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say three. I'm gonna play my one Joker for the episode and say three on this one because I think you can go either way on a couple of his incidents this season. And if with that in mind, I think it's only fair I say three because, like, measuring luck is a very dangerous game in Formula One. People use this argument a lot when it comes to people, and luck is something that you can't really measure. It's very subjective. It's very gut feeling, and my gut feeling is is that maybe he has been slightly unlucky, but I would also say that Sonoda is an aggressive driver. He always has been. And I think sometimes he asks for it. Yeah, I'm going to totally agree not to, you know, just copy you on this one like I did on the first (laughs) one. But I do think you've hit the nail on the head. Some of them are, you know, flip of a coin. And, you know, what else would you describe it as other than unlucky to your point? And uh, Mm. for that reason, yeah, I think straight down the middle, I think a three is a good summary of that one. Could have gone this way, could have gone that way. So I'm going to go down the middle and go with a three. Right then, this is going to be an interesting one. Take number four from Agnes Astalan. Forgive me if I butchered the name. Calls himself Flo on Twitter, so we'll go with that. Hi, Flo. Flo says, Lewis Hamilton will not win another world championship under Mercedes. Still rumours swirling in the air about whether he'll sign another extension. It's looking like he will. Everything has is suggested that he eventually will. But um, Hamilton will not win another world championship under Mercedes. Are we that down on Mercs already that <laughs> uh, that the, there's no chance of them coming back? Is, is that it, Flo? Um, I'll tell you how I feel about this one real quick. Um, annoyingly, you might be right, Flo. Like, the problem is, is that it, it depends. A lot of this is going to boil down to can the field close Red Bull in? in the next two years, because we've got two more years of this regulation set. The next major change is in 2026. I'm not sure Lewis is going to be around that long. I think he will at least try the new set of regulations just to see. That would mean Lewis is going into his early 40s. I think that's doable. Alonso has proven that it's doable. Um, I think with modern nutrition, modern fitness, I think athletes generally tend to go a bit longer in their careers now compared to when I was a bit younger. Seeing drivers in their 40s was rare back then besides Michael Schumacher. I think it's certainly doable. Is Mercedes good enough to be able to bridge that gap and get back to being on top again? Because they've already chucked away most likely two years. I think they are probably the third best team in Formula One right now. I think they're second overall because of 
their driver talent and the fact that everybody else is beating each other up um, over the course of this season. The midfield is a, I've said it before on the show, the midfield's a bar fight. Um, we were all going into this after the time thinking McLaren might be second best team. They actually struggled a little bit this weekend in Zanvor. They were seventh and ninth. And then Aston Martin with Alonso's back in second again. So we don't know week to week who's going to be Red Bull's main contender. This this time around, it was Alonso. Um, next week, it could, it could be Lando Norris again, who's had two podiums already since the upgrade package. I think Merck's a third right now. That's the issue. Um, and I'm not sure they can do enough to beat Red Bull again over a season. They've got to make a lot of gains on Red Bull directly to be able to do that. And I'm not I'm not convinced the timeline is long enough for Hamilton to stick around to find out. Well, but I mean, how do you see it, Ollie? Do you think there's a chance he could walk away or do you think he retires before Mercedes are back to the top? I mean, how do you look at it? There's a lot of ways to skin this cat. I don't, I don't see him walking away before he has a realistic chance at that eighth, to be honest. I think obviously what happened a couple of seasons ago weighed heavily on him. It weighed heavily on the team. I've been very surprised at how poor the rebound has been from Mercedes when you consider we went into that, you know, battle at Abu Dhabi with two drivers tied on, you know, the exact same points to now fast forward, what, 18 months and the bridge now between Max's point tally and Lewis's is, you know, astronomical from where you think it would be. So I think it's obviously very dependent on one, is he going to stay, which I think he will totally agree with you, Dre. I think he's going to stick around for the new regs just to see what happens because there's always that window of opportunity when you have that crossover for any team uh, to make a jump. doesn't happen as regularly as people perhaps think it does when you look at sort of, you know, what Braun managed to do, or if you look at what maybe Aston Martin are doing now, they, that tends to be, you know, an anomaly as opposed to the norm. But I do think Mercedes have got it in them to get back to the front. Uh, dominance era is always end. Is the timeline, as you said, of Red Bull's dominance too long for Lewis to want to stick around and do it? I think that's the real question. Um, but I I think I somewhat disagree with uh, with you and the premise because I think if you give him the opportunities to do it, he's shown this season in not the best car, just how consistent and reliable he can be and what a what a talent he is. I know a lot of people are beating up on Lewis for where he is this season, but mm. I actually think he's having quietly a really, really strong season considering everything that's going on. So I think if they give him a car that can compete with Red Bull or even be you know, just there or thereabouts to nick nick the odd win, stay within reach. I think the fire in him is going to just like push him through. And maybe I'm romanticizing it because <laughs> I'm British and I love Lewis and I want him to do it so much. But you're I the think, only one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think give him the chance and give him a real opportunity for it. I don't think he will let it slip. So I think it's, you know, it's not really up to him. It's up to the the designers, the builders, the team at Mercedes um to give him the car but once he's got it i think he's going to win another one and maybe that's heart overhead but i think he's going to do another one i think there's certainly a path where that can happen i think everything i've ever heard from lewis has suggested to me he's desperate for number eight and 2021 probably only accelerated that view probably only heightened that belief because in the eyes of himself and many he's the rightful 2021 world champion 
you know, we can get into that discussion for, 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 for 14 <laughs> hours if we wanted to. Well, you don't want that. I don't want that. No one wants that. We've been there many a times in the last two years already. Um, but the scoreboard says that it's only seven. He wants number eight. I've seen him in interviews five or six years ago saying that he wanted number eight. He, it's the last major counting stat of the man's career that he hasn't got. For now, depends how much Max could chase that down. But of yeah. all the of, of all the big stats, Hamilton's got all of them now, except World Champions. He, he shares that with Michael. Um, he wants number eight. I'm not sure how long he's prepared to stick around to try it, but I think he's still at the top of his game. I think he's still driving as well as he as as he has in many previous years, despite the fact he hasn't got a number one car, which let's be honest, he has had for the majority of his career, um, especially off the back of the Mercedes era. He's still, I think, driving at a very high level. He's barely put a foot wrong all year, especially in races. Um, he he needs a car though. And Mercedes are probably a year off where they need to be, at least. They are pouring a bunch of money into, into their facilities. They are absolutely throwing the house at this to try and close the gap. I... I actually genuinely thought Mercs would consider quitting if they stopped winning because of, you know, how ruthless F1 can be. If you're not in the top four, you're kind of surviving more than you are winning. But Mercs are clearly committed to trying to get themselves back into play. And they have the one of the one of, if not the best driver in the world, to be able to do it. So and to, to also follow up on that point as well. I don't think there's a viable alternative in terms of team where he could go that would give him a better chance. Like Aston Martin are very good right now. How are they going to be next year when they've got a lot less wind tunnel time to play with? Because they're going to have a lot less this year for next year, regardless of of where they inevitably finish up. It could be second, could be third, could be fourth, who knows? But it's going to be better than the seventh they had last year. Um, you know, there's not really a lot of other places you could go. Ferrari, I think you've got a pretty set driver lineup. McLaren have got arguably the best young driver lineup in Formula One with Norris and Piastri. They don't need to budge on talent at all. Maybe Aston Martin with Lance Stroll's seat. But again, it's hard to talk about Lance Stroll's seat in jeopardy because, well, you know why. Um, so <laughs> it's, I, I don't think there's a viable alternative because Red Bull will not hire Hamilton. They don't need to. Um, and I don't think Hamilton will go there, personally. Yeah. Um, why would you want to compete against Max directly? I don't, I don't see what you gain in that. I think that's asking for trouble. Um, so overall, I think his best chance is staying with Mercedes. Will he win another title? Mm, I think Red Bull will have got a good chance of locking out all the titles until the regulation change, maybe 2026. I'm going to say four. I actually agree with this take for the most part. I would say there is a, I think the most likely scenario is that Red Bull wins this set of world titles next year's and 2025s. Hamilton's in his, in his forties with the, the next regulation change. Merck's would have to nail it if they don't, I think there's a good chance Hamilton retires after 2026. And then I think, obviously, he's not going to win another world title. So I think that is the most likely scenario. So I'm going to say 
four, and I'm going to agree. I don't think Hamilton will win another world title under Mercedes. What do you reckon, Ollie? I'm, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go two. I'm not going to strongly disagree because, you know, <laughs> for all the reasons, but I'm going to come one up because I want to disagree for my own personal reasons. And even though you've laid out a very logical route for the next three years, <laughs> I do think if they can just, just close it enough to just give him one more shot, two more shots, as I said before, I, I do think he will take it. So... I think if they can get him anywhere near the top, he's going to push harder than any other driver would would push Lewis. And if he can just nick it, I think he will. So I reckon he's got another three, four, maybe five years in him if if you know things go that way. And like you said, I don't see it being anywhere else other than Mercedes. So I think he will do one more. Okay, interesting, interesting disagreement there. I like that. Um, it's, it's a lot more fun when we disagree. Um, <laughs> last take of the episode comes from Jay Bisk. I hope that's I hope I pronounced that right. Jay Bisk says, Stroll driving the safety car is the only way he'll be in front of Fernando during the remainder of the season. Ouch. <laughs> that's harsh. Is, <laughs> is he good enough to drive the safety car? No. <laughs> Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Apparently, the latest rumor is apparently he might go into tennis. So maybe asked, maybe Aston wanted to sign Novak Djokovic instead. Who knows? Um, Bisk says one more time: Stroll driving the safety car is the only way he'll be in front of Fernando during the remainder of the season. Five. Let's. Uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Um, you know, I'm, I'm joking. Um, what do you make of that, Ollie? It's a, it's it's a scathing take, but there yeah, is probably a, a kernel of truth in that somewhere, right? Yeah, it's a scathing take, and I, I joke about Lance. You know, he's he's clearly a very talented driver. He's a good racer. He obviously gets more stick, perhaps, than he should because of, you know, his situation in the background. However, I do think this year has been a huge wake-up call to both him, his dad probably, the teams that he's raced for, because, I mean, as we're currently discussing, what he's he's got, Alonso's got, what, four times as many points as him? at this stage in the Something season. Like that. I, think, I, think it's like, I think it's like a 120 point difference between them at the moment. It's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And I think, you know, when you watch the races and you see the finishing positions and the disparity between the two, you know, I wouldn't say Stroll has particularly had, you know, bad luck or anything like this. You know, Fernando is just really showing what that car can do if you drive it to the max and with the skill level that he can deliver and and Stroll just can't deliver that. He just can't live with what Fernando is doing. And every week, it just seems to be getting worse and worse for Lance. So I had a theory the other day, just or a thought just pop into my head that that maybe those preseason injuries were maybe a little bit more impactful than you know perhaps they wanted to let on. Obviously, he didn't want to not drive. His dad probably didn't want him to not drive. The team didn't want it. You know, he wants a stroll in that car. And I wonder if maybe that has been more impactful than normal. Or what I think is perhaps more likely is it's maybe just showcasing the difference in talent between a really top-end driver and what Lance Stroll can offer you. You know, he's joked about moving to tennis. Um, or has he I don't even know if that is a joke. He's joked about moving on from, you know, the sport and, and doing whatever. I wonder if this is having a, an impact on him himself in terms of, you know, his love for the sport. How much does he want to risk and commit to what is still an incredibly dangerous sport and I think, yeah, I just don't see without Fernando not finishing or without some sort of crazy situation or some, you know, badly timed safety car and pit strategy or something like that that goes wrong. 
I just don't see him actually finishing on track ahead of Fernando again this season. So yeah, I think, you know, in general, I totally agree with that. And I think it's a real, real challenge for Aston Martin now and, and, and Lawrence, you know, what do we, what do we do with this second seat? Cause Fernando doesn't look like slowing down. They probably want to lock him in for as long as he's willing to stay around. And the amount of money they could be getting from, you know, a higher championship finishing position is, um, you know, it's 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 not pennies, even though he's a billionaire. You know, it's not pennies. It's really important for the for the team and the development of that uh, factory, that team, the prospect of wanting talent and people to come to Aston Martin. So he needs to find some form real quick, or I think even with Papa Stroll over his shoulder, he could be in trouble. It's interesting in that Aston Martin, for a good while, were looking like the second best team in Formula One this year. Like, we roast Ferrari on a constant basis. Ferrari are only 14 points behind them in the constructors now. Very quietly, Ferrari has reined them in. Um, Don't look too close at that scoreboard. It's a bit startling, but yeah, I I said 120. The exact number is 121. I had a quick Google of that. So I was pretty much spot on there. Go me. Um, But yeah... Stroll should not be ninth in the championship on 47 points in the second best car in the sport. That, that's just not good enough. There is there is no getting around that. On a good day, I think Stroll, on like, like places like Austria, he can challenge Fernando on a good day. He and If he did that even half as much as, as he's done this season, there would be no concern. I'm not sitting here expecting Stroll to beat Fernando Alonso every week. No chance. Alonso is one of the best drivers in the world. He's one of the best of all time. And and don't get me wrong, Alonso has been incredible this year. Um, He has done everything you could ask of him in that car and more. I don't expect Stroll to be at that same level, but if he was close, there'd be nothing to be concerned about. It's a lot like Sergio Perez at Red Bull. If he was finishing second or third every week, there'd be no worries about him losing his job because you expect Stappen to be good. So that's fine. I just you should not be 121 points behind your teammate in the second best car in the sport. He is far closer to Gasly, Ocon, and Piastri in the championship. These are guys in either far weaker machinery or in Piastri's case has only had good machinery for a handful of races. Um, And Piastri was unlucky to have been taken out in Belgium right at the start. And that was a race that he could have easily got on the podium on a good day. Um, it's it's not good enough, and like I'm I'm getting this out of the way now. I'm saying it, it, it's it's a five. You're absolutely right. I can't disagree. Stroll is not in a good place. Um, it's the best car he's ever had in his career. It's year seven of his F1 career. He's had nearly 140 starts now. Like, there is no excuse for him anymore. Like, like, you could maybe argue he had weaker cars. He was actually doing an all right job of keeping Sebastian Vettel honest when he was his teammate at, at Aston Martin. But Alonso's come over there and made him look silly. Um, and it's actually doubly frustrating for me as a, someone who likes Aston Martin. They've got Felipe Drogovic in their camp, they've got Stoffel Van Dorn in their camp, guys who 
you know, Drogovic in other years would have had an F1 seat by now. Stoffel van Dorn, I think, was very unlucky in his time at McLaren to have lost his job and having to go over to Formula E and no disrespect to Formula E, but van Dorn is an F1 driver for me. He was a fantastic junior, should have had a much more prolific career in F1 than he did in the end. And those guys are right there. I, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if they weren't at least a little bit frustrated sitting from the sidelines thinking... Lance Stroll is there and you can't talk about Stroll potentially losing his seat because of his dad owning the team. It's, and I, I, I don't say this to be mean about Lance. I say it because you just can't talk about him in a jeopardy sense because you know, he'll be there as long as his dad wants him to be there. Yeah. So you're kind of just beating your head against the wall in frustrating in frustration. Cause you, you look at Aston Martin and you go, you're 40 points behind Mercedes right now. If you had a better second driver, you're comfortably second. Yeah. Mercedes driver lineup, I think, is what's put them into second place right now more than anything else. And Ferrari having a more consistent pair of drivers is going to keep them in play, I think. And who knows? Maybe even McLaren can chase them down by the end of the year if they can consistently keep finishing as, you know, third or fourth, you know, in that sort of ballpark as second best team if they if this upgrade package holds up. So there's a lot of ways this can go wrong for Aston Martin. And Lance Stroll is a big glaring weakness in that setup. And yeah, like I can't disagree with, with anything on, on this take. I've got to say five. It, it's, I don't normally say five. I save it for special occasions, but <laughs> Stroll hasn't got an excuse in my opinion. Um, there's no getting around it. He has been very poor given the level of equipment that he's got. What do you reckon, Ollie? Are you, are you, are you saying five as well? Totally agree. And I think, you know, add to that mix, it's not just how poor Lance has been, it's just how good Fernando's driving. He would have to drop off himself significantly, I think, even for, for Lance to have a chance. And I just don't mm. see that happening. You see how buzzing he is with podiums. He talked about maybe having a dive for the race week lead at the at the weekend in, in <laughs> yeah. the rain. So, you know, he's he's not rel- he's not slowing down anytime soon. I just don't think Lance is relentless enough. Or, you know, he just doesn't have the form right now. So I'm going to agree. Five, good hot take. And uh, yeah, I think it's spot on. I completely agree. That'll do it for this episode of Hot Takes Wednesday. Big thanks to Ollie for joining me. Again, please follow him on TikTok. Is it Ollie, Ollie Swift F1, I think it is? That's the one. That's the one. Follow him on, 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 all, on all those socials. Give him a little WTF1 bump from us. You're welcome back anytime, my friend. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, we'll be back next week after the Italian Grand Prix at Monza for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. Thank you very much for listening. Keep sending those takes in, and we'll see you next week. Sayonara. Sayonara.